Well, another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast tonight. It's going to be good fun uh, tonight. It's Thursday night. It's usually Wednesday night, but uh, we've delayed it uh, a night because we've got a special guest coming on. We, ha- we don't have any Rocket. No Rocket tonight. He is very busy preparing the family and the move to Queensland. So another week without Rocket, but we do have a very, very, very well-accomplished and well-qualified fill-in co-host. Sit back, relax, enjoy this episode, and we'll bring the boys on. Magic Mike, how are you? Before I introduce our, uh, tonight's uh, special guest and co-host, returning guest, uh, how are you? You well? Well, I normally say I'm good. I'm tired this week, but I'm still good. It's uh, been a busy week. Not that I want to start a podcast with the weather, but uh, it's, it's early, mid-December, and look at the three of us. We're all sitting here in bloody hoodies <laughs> and jumpers. It's unbelievable. I've got the I've got the uniform hoodie back on. Unbelievable. It's so cold. Mike, I said to everyone in the intro, which you obviously heard, uh, no rocket tonight. Uh, we have a special guest, a returning guest to the podcast, helping us co-host for a chat. Uh, he's aware that it's an unplanned chat. Uh, we've got a few things to talk about, but as is always the way with our rocket man, we have a theme tune for him, which is this. So we're not going to play that, but I have made a special theme tune <laughs> for, for our guests tonight. I've made a special theme tune in line with uh, a number of themes. There's a number of themes, and, and we'll do a little pop quiz after we play the theme tune for our special guest. Got to dance. Got to listen to it all. Keep it going. Keep it going. I should have said this episode is going to go for an hour and a half and an hour of it will just be the intro music. I could have. (laughs) I can sing all the words to that song. Uh, Stuart Kerr, welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you, mate? I'm good, Ross. I'm good, Mike. How are you doing, boys? All right? Good. Great to have you. Is that Good it? to see you both. I feel like I haven't caught up with you guys in ages, and this yeah, just no. feels like the perfect way to catch up. It is. Well, we can we can, <laughs> we can do it more often. Firstly, let's go back to my uh, finest creative work for today. Uh, the theme tune. What are the what are the references there, Stu? Uh, what are the references there? So I've got the Fratellis, obviously, firstly. Uh, which, funnily enough, my sister-in-law actually used to work with a bass player for the Fratellis. There you go. And uh, secondly, obviously, yes, sir, I can boogie which is a reference to the Scotland football team that's become a bit of a national anthem. There you go. And uh, the third one, honestly, I actually couldn't hear it, to be honest with you. Oh, really? <laughs> Even the Fratellis was quiet as well. Did <laughs> oh, you hear it, mate? It was up and down, yeah. Oh, sorry. So, oh, there you go. Well, hopefully it comes through. Well, the, the, the third, the third <laughs> mashup there was um, We Have a Dream. 
We have a dream. Oh, we have a dream. From the World Cup, uh, probably the last time. Scott I mean, when was that? 98? 98? Yeah, France, 98? Yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah, there we go. So the Fratellis, obviously a, a famous Glaswegian uh, band. Fratelli, Dylan Fratelli, bit of golf thing in there. So, and um, not that there's anything to do with it, it's just Fratellis. Uh, there we oh, go. There you go. There you go. Um, oh, I appreciate the effort you uh, put into it. Thanks, Thank very, thanks very much. <laughs> Uh, and so we might end up talking about a bit of bit of football because uh, Scotland probably got as much chance of uh, qualifying for the World Cup uh, this year than Australia have. So we might jump into a bit of that. Stuart is the unofficial captain of the uh, Adelaide United Football Club golf team. Uh, we'll talk about that because I've got a challenge to throw down there. Uh, and uh, and we'll talk about a bit of a bit of golf. Mike, how are you, mate? Good. A little tired. Good. Been a bit. It's 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 peak cheese selling season for me. So. It's it's uh it's a little bit crazy at the minute because all of you people that are gonna eat cheese need it on the supermarket shelves in about fourteen days, and uh, that means I have to have it on a pallet leaving King Island now and uh, fly. Uh, so not flying, shipping stuff over the over uh, to the mainland and then trucking it around from there. So it's it's crazy times at the minute. Uh, so How's that for a sentence? It's peak cheese selling season right now. <laughs> It's, that was the uh, last thing I expected to hear on a golf podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, well, there's, there's welcome. Much, there's not much golf. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Mike's role is the unofficial ambassador to King Island and uh, for on Melbourne mainland, peak cheese selling season. Yeah, and it usually starts with a chat about biscuits because uh, Rodney's mum in Tasmania sends us up Scottish shortbreads. Matt Mollica, who you also know, uh, Stuart, has weighed into the biscuit debate on this uh, podcast because he's sent us some uh, Italian biscottis. So, um, mm. so some lovely lemon biscottis. Oh, he's created an internal biscuit feud. They would get Caridi's book. Very, you know, do you know what? I'm, I'm, lucky, I'm lucky enough to have had both. Matt Matt hand-delivered some lemon biscotti and they were delightful, but uh, Ma Rocket sent up from, from Tasmania, sent up some shortbread for me. So I'm just, I'm unbiased and happy to keep judging samples at the moment, which is good. Stu, what's happening that- in your world over there in Adelaide? No, just the usual, Ross. I mean, same as everyone, plugging away, try to um, just get some work wherever it's going and hoping that the borders will kind of fully open up soon enough so we can get back on the road, you know? And on the road, does that mean heading back across uh, over the waters to the States and catching up with all that uh, crew from... Yeah, yeah, I think uh, 2022 we'll see us going back over to the U.S., um, for a little bit, catch up with Eric and the gang and hopefully do some work. And then uh, the plan is to be at the Open as well in July. Touch wood. All going to, all going to plan. Hopefully get back there for the 150th, you know? Uh, well, we know because we've, we've spoken about it. We've dreamed about putting, you know, the My Love of Golf uh, podcast on the road and going. I only got the Tuesday ticket in the ballot, Mike. Uh, what did you get? Did you get oh, did you manage ballot? to get a ticket in the ballot? We got a Tuesday, which I declared. The- Honestly, the practice days are the best days to go to golf tournament. This is where, I don't know, the practice days for me are 100% the best days to go because it's such a relaxed atmosphere. The players are way more relaxed on those days. You can take a camera in. Yeah. Uh, you can kind of take photos without feeling too bad. Um, and then tournament days, obviously, the crowd is like super amped. And if there is a marquee group to follow, so to speak, mm. you can't see anything anyway. Yeah. I always say that if, if I was to go back to the Masters again, I would do maybe two practice days, maybe one tournament day, and watch the weekend at home. Yeah. I mean, I can't, Mike. When you were at, when you were at Augusta, were you there? You were there for the weekend, weren't you? Yeah. So we got 
tickets in the well, I got tickets in the ballot. So I got four tickets to the Wednesday, the path three day, which is perfect because you can go yeah. around, take photos, get sit, walk the park three course and obviously anything, but you walk in the main course all morning and everyone's out there practicing. And then we went on Friday and Sunday. And in the middle days, we we played golf. So we played Palmetto and another course sort of in, in, in Aiken. So it was just good to break up. But like you said, the, the, the practice day was good because you could go wherever you wanted. Like you said, it was very relaxed. You could take photos and going all the way there, you want to have a photo at Amen Corner and, you know. Yeah. Sure. It's all that sort of stuff that you can't do on the tournament days. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, going to like you would love to go to any day if you could. I'm just mm. going back to like a Tuesday. It's not actually a bad day to get a ticket to because it is such a relaxed atmosphere. And I find as well a lot with being at golf tournaments when you're there on the weekend, you're missing a lot of the action that's going on. Especially you know? Augusta because there's no camp, there's no screens. There's, you haven't got a phone. Yeah. There's nothing you can see. You're literally judging by the roars. Yeah. <laughs> of so what's going on? You're hearing a sound and you're like. That sounds like it's about six and you've got your piece of paper. I reckon they're about here. Yeah, exactly. I reckon that was a Rory roar, but that wasn't a Tiger roar. You know, that's the sort of stuff. Yeah. So I think you've done well getting that ticket for any day, Roscoe. Hmm. Well, we're still, you know, between here and July, August, September. We're just weighing up when we should go, can go, all that sort of thing. So we're not... I'd love to go. I'd love to go at that time, but I'm um, just weighing up whether, you know, J- July, August or September. Yeah, July's going to be a massive month in golf in Scotland. Like, what have we got? They've got the Scottish Open at the start at Renaissance Club. Yeah. Uh, then we've got the Open at uh, St Andrews. Then the Seniors Open at Glen Eagles. And then the Women's British Open in the first week of August at, M- at Muirfield. Muirfield, yeah. Wow. So, you know, when you think about, when I think about going there, like, it's going to be packed, like, playing golf and holidays. Anyway, whatever. We'll work it out. Where 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 else? We we just go for the open? You're planning to go other is there other stuff happening? Really early in the kind of planning process, to be yeah, honest with yeah. you. Obviously with everything that's um going on, but I think I would maybe yeah, get to the open and maybe hang back for the women's as well. I'd love to go and watch the women's open at Muirfield. Yeah. That would be mm. pretty special. But yeah, besides that, I haven't really thought too much about it, Ross. That's just kind of loosely what I'm thinking about next year as soon as we can start getting overseas a little easier and things like that, obviously, because it's been such a long time. I mean, it's been, it'll be two years by the time I actually finally get back. You know, it'll be two years that we've been here for. And you came back pre-COVID. So you came back and didn't realise you weren't going, you know, back. Yeah, we were at the um, the Genesis uh, Riviera, which is in Feb. Mm-hmm. I believe. And I think uh, Cassandra and I got back to Adelaide at the beginning of March and then we're due to fly out the 19th of March to do, and then we were going to we're going to South America at the end of March for Adventures in Golf. So that was all that was all planned and obviously the closer it got to that 19th date, that was when things really started to ramp up. Yeah. So it, the South America, oh, I think we were supposed to be doing a uh, Vietnam and Korea from memory and they got pulled straight away and Eric and the guys were like oh still come we'll still do South America and then they had a bit of a crisis meeting about a week before and then that got pulled and Eric had kind of said oh you can still come over if you want and we'll have some work here to do um, but the closer it got to the day this was only two days out by mm-hmm. the way from us due to fly over and um, we kind of said oh, we'll just wait because at that time it was like we'll wait and we'll do it in a couple of months when all this dies down you know, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's coming up two years. <laughs> two years ago, yeah. <laughs> so that all kind of got put on hold. 
But yeah, touch wood, obviously it looks like things are starting to open up now again. But I mean, like I say, that's why I don't like to say too much about what my plans are for next year because who knows? Yeah. No, you correct. We're, we're used to that, mate. And, you know, let's just fingers crossed for, you know, you, all the gang, us want to go to the – Mike wants to go to New Zealand. I want to go back to Tassie and Scotland. Um, we all want to do that. Uh, speaking of Tassie, you've been a couple of times since we've been. Mike and I went in March. Uh, you went, yeah, I think, yeah. in April or May and been back since. So we might talk about uh, a little bit of short course golf in this episode. Uh, you've seen you've seen the short course there at Boogle Run. Um, tell us about it. Oh, it's superb. Superb. It's the perfect addition to Barn Boogle. Um, there's only, I think, Barn Boogle needs one more thing and then it's complete. And that is a punch bowl putting green kind of a la Himalayas at St Andrews kind of thing, which I think they're actually planning on doing uh, out by Barnbigal Dunes in front of the clubhouse there. So that would then just take it to the next level. But on Boogle Run, like I say, it's just a perfect addition. When I remember being so excited when they announced that they were going to be building that short course because I guess similar to, I mean, they're popping up everywhere these days, aren't they? Like, mm-hmm. I guess the first one was kind of, the first one of that kind of mould was um, the preserve at Bandon Dunes. But then they're kind of, you've obviously got the cradle down at Pinehurst and uh, all these funky little short courses. End of the day, you've only got an hour of sunlight left. Let's yeah. go with a half set and just hit some balls kind of thing. It's one of the, did, you, um, did you play the hills? They've got one of the hills, haven't they? The hills have got a par three course. We never, we never played it. They had a par three comp the week that we were down, but um, Eric never played in it. So mm-hmm. uh, I never actually got to see it. But yeah, that, that, like, that's another example. They just seem to be popping up everywhere. And when Barnboogle announced that they were going to be building Boogle Run, I was so excited to get down and see it. And it totally lived up to the expectation, as all the courses down there do, you know? Yeah. So when you saw it for the first time, is it, is it you know, it's up on that hill behind behind uh, Lost Farm, Lost Farm. Isn't it? Yeah, Lost Farm, yeah? Yeah, yeah it's so, right by, it's, the first tee there is right by the first tee at Lost Farm. Just a series of little short threes and fours? and So, yeah, you get two par fours and 12 par threes, and it's totally different. So I was kind of expecting it to be, I guess, similar to the preserve at Band, and that was what I had in my head, but it's completely different. And it's funny because the first, kind of as you kind of walk out onto the course, it's kind of a little bit nondescript, the first couple holes. They can just ease you into it, which is really reminiscent of Barnboogle Dunes itself. Yeah. Um, as you both know, you kind of head out there and like one, two, three of the kind of the cool holes, but they're just almost warming you up for the yeah. for your main event, which is then you get to four and you see that big bunker. <laughs> Boogle Run's kind of similar. Like there's two short par threes, but there's not really much going on. And then you walk up the hill to the tee box at number three and you've got this huge kind of, gully in the side and this multi-tiered green and um and then from there yeah it's just so much fun the thing that they've done right there as well is um you can play it from like black tees which are still some of the holes are only maybe 100 meters or 130 meters but they have tee boxes right up front as well so you could essentially play a huge game of mini golf if you really wanted to or say you're there maybe you're there where your partners have come down and they're not big on golf you could yeah. quite easily take your partner with you and um, they could have a fun time as well. So they've done such a great job with it. And how many hole-in-ones did you and the old man have in the in the 16 holes? Uh, I lost count. <laughs> um, it's only 14 holes. <laughs> yeah. we came, I tell you what, we came close a couple of times. I, 
Oh, yeah, we had we came very close a couple of times. The funny thing was, I played it with, uh, I was down there with Lucas, Michelle, as you guys know, uh, at the beginning of the year, and Lucas and I played that a couple of times. And then when I went with Dad, we had played so much golf, and we'd been building up to playing Google Run because he had never seen it. And by the time we actually got to play it, the two of us were exhausted because we'd already played yeah. about 30 holes that day. Yeah. And um, or 29 holes that day. And old Jack ain't what it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's a slog. Those courses are a slog. They're so yeah. hilly, you know. So we got to Google Run. I think we were about maybe seven holes in. And he went, I've seen enough. <laughs> <laughs> he was done. He was looking fit. Ross and I said the other week, I think you had a picture up from when you were there. And he was looking really fit. Yeah, no, he keeps fat, my old man. He's probably yeah. fatter than me. He's out on the bike every weekend and still playing plenty of golf. He looks after himself. So Big Jack's all right? He's great, yeah. yeah. We had the best time down there. I mean, was it just you that's a really, it was just the two of us. That was, uh, so the first trip I went down with Lucas, that was kind of work orientated. Whereas I suppose with the borders being shut and things like that, then Virgin launched flights from Adelaide direct to Launceston, which we've never had before. And they had a huge sale and it was $49. For one day, it was $49 each way. So I, I just phoned Dad and I said, let's just book any two random days and we'll just go down and play golf. So the two just went down there and just had two full days of golf, Perfect. you know. So how many in the two full days, how many how many holes did you fit in? Um, I think, so the first the time we got there on the first day, I think we played Junes. Yeah, so we played Junes on the first day we got there. Um, and then we just kind of chilled out. And then the second day we got up, played 28 Lost Farm, had some lunch, played nine at June's, had something to eat, and then went over to Boogle Run and probably played eight or nine at Boogle Run, I think. Mike, Mike, the, Mike the Punisher Caridi made us play 94 holes in two and a half days. Oh, you'd never <laughs> been. You'd never been. And I, can, I told you the first time we go around each course, I'll give you knowledge, and the second time around I'm giving you nothing because then, then the money's on the line. But we played, yeah. we played June's when we arrived and then the next day got up and played back-to-back Lost Farm, so all 40 holes. That's an aggressive move. And then we got up and played June's and then we went home. So, yeah. Do you know, we had these grand plans, Dad and I, in the build-up, as soon as we booked, like, we'll get there and we'll play 18 here, then we'll go and play, like, summer boogle run and then we'll go back out for nine. And then after we had played 18, the two of us were like, <laughs> <laughs> To be I fair. I forgot how the walk from Green to Tea and yeah. some of the hills, yeah. it kills you, man. Um, we, we, look, we're not going to argue with you because the, the guys down there were nice enough to say, if you want to go and have a look, because, you know, you guys are involved in golf, if you want to go and have a look at the course, it's not open yet, go and walk, boogle, run. I was like, <laughs> we've just played. Uh, Lost Farm twice. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to sit in the bar and have beer and that's it. Yeah. I can't do it. I'm done. Well, it's funny because the first two holes at Boogle Run, like I say, they kind of just lead you into it and then you've got a fair walk from the second green to the third tee box. Yeah. It's all uphill and all the way to that tee, I kind of turn around and look at Dad and I'm thinking, he's done. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's got his big buggy and he's did you take the full set or you, do you run a half set down there? Uh, just a half set. Half just set? a half set, yeah. yeah. Now, That's the perfect place for a half set. Yeah, I agree. 
you know. Yeah. Now, what do you what you, what are your thoughts on? I think it's pretty clear on you know this short form and short course golf. It, it's obviously it's not more than a trend. It's not going to just go away. You know, Kingston Heath are building their own executive short course there, and I'm sure other places that have got the land and the and the wherewithal to do it. But it's not only you know the big money and the big name courses that are able to do it, and and some great short courses exist. You were on one of them the other day in Adelaide. You know, let's talk about what you were doing with uh, some of the Adelaide United football club guys. But where were you, where were you the other day? So that is that's a prime example of just a lot of the boys at the club are kind of just getting into the game. So we'll go and play the big courses, but even for myself, I love going out at nighttime. Obviously, that twilight hour and just taking a wedge and a putter. So that's kind of how that stemmed. That's just like, oh, look, we've got an hour and a half of daylight. They would just go and jump on the short course kind of thing. Um, and again, it goes back to, it's so good for people. I always say to Cassandra, we drive past that course all the time. And I always see, you'll see the most random group of golfers on that course. People you would never expect to see on a golf course. And it always makes me smile. I always say something to Sandra, how good is that? Look at that guy. You would never see him on a golf course, you know? I mean, I might be stereotyping on my behalf, but you know what I mean? It's bringing people to the game that ordinarily you would never think would be into the game. And you always see a lot of women out there as well. There's a lot of old women because every hole is like 70 metres long. So it's perfect um, for elderly women to get out and still have a hit. And uh, from that perspective, I think they're so good for golf these short courses sometimes you do just want to help driver though don't you <laughs> yes but from that perspective i'm all for it all for them who are the gun uh, golfers in the adelaide united football team what's 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 the, what's the squad like uh they're just getting into it right. as i say okay. <laughs> but although i played with them so uh the big uh daily big james daily you know he's mad for it yeah. he's really got the golf bug He's been bitten hard by the golf bug, so he's always keen to get out for a game. Um, who else we played with? Uh, big Sini Yenge came out with us a couple of weeks ago, and he's just, he's literally picked up a club that he's played three or four times, and him and Bailey are real good mates, so I think he's been dragging him out. Played with George Blackwood, and you can tell that George has played before. He's got a really nice swing. It's interesting seeing a lot of the you know sportsmen take up golf as an alternate sport, you know, and uh, there's obviously a big group of you know AFL and and soccer and cricketers and rugby reunion and rugby league players that have played golf for a while. But I think you know this growth in the game and the rise in popularity of the game has, has seen more of the sportsmen want to gravitate towards golf. It's really encouraging for me to see. You know, and I do have a, a little message here which I'll read to you. You know, you get mentioned a lot on the podcast, yeah, you know, because you're such a great friend of the podcast. So you know, whenever you've done something, we might it might pop up and we might mention it because obviously you know the three of us are friends. But uh, let me read. Uh, it's only a message from the soccer striker, Andrew Naboo, which he said, uh, he said, uh, ha ha, heard you gave me a mention on, on the podcast yesterday, mate. I'm honoured to appreciate the kind words because like some of the boys you just mentioned from Adelaide United, Andrew Naboo is a developing golfer. He's just found the game fairly fairly recently and, and is really passionate about it. But I also meant in that podcast, I mentioned maybe a Melbourne City, Adelaide United, some form of competition. And uh, and he said, uh, the great podcast, oh, he said it's a great podcast. Uh, the idea to play against another team in a golf tournament is a great idea as well. So uh, uh, he's, Andrew. How good is that? Andrew Naboot, Australian Socceroos, uh, has thrown down the challenge. If you and I can, as the unofficial captains of the uh, Melbourne City golf team and the Adelaide United golf team, if we can contrive a way to do it, we should do it. A Raider Cup style. Yeah. 
Adelaide's about eight v. Uh, all right, we'll call him. Um, we'll call him one of the old Adelaide's United boys, Daniel Mullen. He's a good golfer. Yeah, he can... he's get we'll get we'll bring in a ring in. <laughs> Is Robbie Conway uh, Adelaide? Robbie's a Robbie's a great golfer. He's, so, he plays off seven or eight. He's a real good golfer, Robbie. So, so we can take Robbie. You can have Wade Ormsby, and and I'll find someone on this side, and there we go. We can make a we can make a, a thing of it. Anyway, there's a, there's a bit of uh, just following up. Uh, the people said that was a great idea. Andrew Nabut thought it was a great idea, so I just thought while we had you on, we'd put that to bed and um. See if we can do something with it, maybe. Um, yeah, they can they can play a tournament. I'll film it. Uh, I did also say to Andrew Naboot, um, you know, if you see a Scottish guy taking photos on the side of the pitch on uh, when it was it the other week, um, give them away for me. And I think uh, did it, were you there taking photos that night when he, he he aimed a ball at me and it swerved in the top corner. Yes. <laughs> he, he, he he did score one of the all time worldies. Uh, it was a pretty good goal. But um, were you there? You were there taking photos? I wasn't there. Okay. No, I wasn't there. Unfortunately, I didn't get to the game that night. Uh, so we, I watched it. I watched it from the living room. To all, anyway, you're very, you're very, you're very kind. Yeah, because yeah, I remember the one time that I did uh, give you a bit of lip about the football result. You, you, were, you were quick to remind me that you've never given me any back uh, when it's gone the other way. So, yeah, thanks for reminding me of uh, my manners of uh, football. Anyway, let's, <laughs> let's just stick to talking about Scotland. <laughs> Mike, what's happened this week in golf? Uh, it's been a oh, this week's an interesting week. There's there's not a lot happening on uh, around the world. There's one tournament that's the shark, the old shark shootout in the US, and then you got the Vic PGA, which is down at Moon Links here in Victoria. Now, last week we had the tournament over in the um, was the South African Open, South African Open, wasn't it? Uh, yep. Which they finally got four uh, four rounds in because obviously, as we talked about last week, they had to call it short with the COVID breaking out and people rushing back to the UK. And um, it was a it was a full four, full four round tournament. Uh, and it it was a pretty good tournament. Um, it was a bit up and down towards the end because the um, the winner, I can't remember his name now, uh, Van, I'm going to forget his name. But he, uh, the one that we picked was the Duplessis. And Duplessis was in the mix the whole way through. And he eventually... Didn't quite, didn't quite get there, but it was Van Ton- Van Tonda. Is that, is that what his name was? So, you gone blank, yeah. but yeah, he he I he. Uh, watch it. Oh, I watched. I actually watched a bit of golf this week. He uh, he sort of uh, came came home well and finished off with the win. Um, so that was you know it wasn't it wasn't the greatest tournament I've ever ever watched, but it wasn't the worst. And then over in the what, state, what is the greatest? What is the worst? <laughs> the greatest tournament I've ever watched. You know what? The one tournament that I always go back to, which most people wouldn't even know, was a tournament called the International, and uh, it was the, the was probably one of the best tournaments I've ever watched on TV because it was um, nonstop electricity. Because it was the the tournament where they play the um, Stableford numbers, or the, it was oh, right. it was back then. And so it was one of those ones where down the stretch it was Rich Beam. And someone else that I can't remember. We're talking 20 years ago, and uh, <laughs> Rich Beam or whoever he was playing against was it was one of those ones where he was unbeatable because of the way that the points were working in the Stableford points, unless something random happened. And he had an albatross. It was an he had an albatross to actually get either just to win or just lost the bloke just lost. It was um, it was the most unbelievable finish of a tournament I've ever seen. You know. As we do watching golf here in the US, it was seven o'clock in the morning. I was probably supposed to be at work on a Monday, and I was watching. I was watching a pretty unbelievable finish to a tournament. I reckon that was probably one of the better ones. So was the, what's an albatross a five pointer? 
Yeah, I think it was a yeah, it was like it was something ridiculous, absolutely That's ridiculous. That's going to help anyone score cup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, worst tournament. Oh, I don't know. There'd be lots of worst tournaments, lots of boring ones. Uh, the one, the one this week in the US wasn't horrendous. Uh, it was one where our boy Cole Morikawa was probably the unbackable favourite after three rounds. I think everybody thought. He was going to win. I, I know I did, and, and Rocket did because we were messaging each other. Um, but Victor Hovland came over the top and, and beat everybody. He uh, he got over a few yips, had back-to-back eagles in the final round, and and one by one, which was you know it's good to see. He was in our picks, which is good. I hope someone hope someone had some money on him. I didn't, but um, I hope someone picked him. Uh, Stuart, if if you follow Mike's tips uh, uh, on this podcast. You're pretty much guaranteed to have enough in the bank if you if you are a betting person. It's not a betting podcast, uh, but if you follow Mike's tips and if you do like a little flutter, you're pretty much guaranteed to get enough at the end of the season to buy yourself a, a new set of Callaways or whatever brand you choose. Mike has chosen Callaways because we did a fitting like the other week, and uh, so he's, he's done pretty well. And some of the some of the listeners have done pretty well by following uh, the great man's tips there. Has it been a good? Is that where the name Magic Mike comes from? <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, know where Ross got that from. I just, I just made that up. <laughs> but uh, so I feel like I'm the only one here that doesn't have a nickname. I like always Rocket, I, Magic Mike. I always call you when you're not around Disco Stew because of the Simpsons. The guy Stew, <laughs> Disco Stew. So there you go. I've had that before. Have you? There you go. <laughs> but no, that was it. It was a pretty pretty steady week. Everyone's in wind down and well golf. I think at the moment. Um, I think a lot of people are a bit excited because Tiger said he's going to play the father son, um, but yeah, other than that, so. yeah, not a lot. Not a lot happening. I think you can forgive Morikawa for having a deal. Yeah, I the agree. The season that boy's had, unbelievable, unbelievable. And and he's we've been talking a lot about his him finding his putter, and he's putted so so well the last probably couple of months, which has been probably the one thing he's been quite poor at. So it's been really good for him to do it. I don't know what it was that it was it was very. It was probably only really one bad shot that he hit that cost him, but it cost him pretty big. Bad Yeah. I've never seen him hit a hook like that. Um, big mud, it was a big mud ball, wasn't it? Yeah, it was not pretty. Um, and it derailed him a bit. You know, I know, I know if, if he'd won, he was going to be world number one, which would have been unbelievable yeah. in such a short amount of time. So, um, no, look, he, he's, as we've been saying, if he can continue that putting, he's going to be well and truly in a lot of tournaments next year. We uh, we done a job with Taylor made a couple of years back, and all these guys were on the range, and Morikawa was stood out head and shoulders above. And this is before I remember putting up in my story, this guy's going to win a major real soon. And of course, yeah. I never put money on him because I'm a fool. <laughs> um, if Magic Mike had said that, I would have put money on him. But I did. He was forty. So he was forty-two dollars, mate. He won. There you go. <laughs> so it was like. They were obviously having to flight different shots and things yep. like that. And he had the ball on a shoestring. And just, I mean, they're all as good as each other, but he, there was something different about the way that he hit the ball and his control of his flight and things like that. And he's just, his ball striking is phenomenal. Hmm. Stuart, uh, I was just going to say, the thing that I've prattled on about in relation to Colin Morikawa, uh, which strikes me more so, or not more so, but um, obviously everything you mentioned there is a, a standout, but just the way that he carries himself, the way he holds himself, the way he talks, the way you know, he, he has this presence beyond his years. Was he like that back then? He really does. Nothing phases him. He didn't look... The biggest thing was the guys on the range at that time, it was Tiger, Rory, Dustin, um, John Ram. It was Jason, Jason, Jason was still at TaylorMade then, 
and then there was Wolf and Morikawa, the new guys. And I actually remember saying to the boys at the time, we kind of spoke that night about how incredible and impressive Colin it was watching Colin Morikawa on the range. He was almost the guy you were looking at over yeah. all these huge names. So I just don't think anything really phases him. I feel like he just has immense confidence in his own abilities. You know that way? Mm. He's not there to like be overawed by these guys next to him. He just yeah. has complete confidence in his abilities. And like I say, has the control of his flight on every shot that he hit was just amazing to watch. So, so impressive. And the strike every time was just pure as brilliant to watch. Of all, like you've spent a lot of time around a lot of different players. I'm not going to ask you who you didn't rate. Like of all the guys, who who would be, or, or girls, who have been the three that you think, you know, not just all round, like great people, unbelievable golfers, just have been awesome. Oh, well, the best, but I'll tell you, the best ball flight I've ever seen in my life that Hit my made my jaw hit the floor. Cameron Champ. Really? Oh my goodness. I'm not I am not kidding. We watched him in Phoenix for half an hour on the range. This guy hits a ball and it doesn't leave I don't know, it doesn't leave six feet off the ground for the first hundred yards. And then it starts to take off and then it just seems to climb and climb and climb and climb and it's like it's never gonna come down. Wow. I've never seen a ball flight like it in my life. I was absolutely amazed. Um, but I don't know, it's hard to it's hard to say, Mike. Uh, no. I mean Jason Day is top 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 guy. That's good. He's probably find a nicer guy than Jason. I feel like all the Aussies are good guys. Cam Smith, top top bloke. I feel like they're like all the Aussies are real good guys, you know. Which you would almost expect from an Aussie. I feel like the Aussies are quite a down to earth yeah. group. It's true. The yeah. other, the other, uh, the other um, group of um, golfers that always get a mention here, uh, Mike creates a market for them every week, which ends up being a fifty. You know, if it's in the PGA Tour, it's usually a fifty-fifty between Ro- Russell Knox, <laughs> Russell, Rusty yeah. Knox, and <laughs> Martin Laird. So yeah, it's it's a top. There's a top Scott market. Um, who who are the who are your favourite Scots golfers of all time? Of all time? Oh well, just of any time, but but of all time, yes, and and of current times. Oh, I mean, you've got to go Bob Mack. How can you not love Bob Mack? I watched, uh, I saw Scratch did a really interesting it's good, wasn't uh, it? piece on Bob Mack. I don't know, did you watch it, Ross? Yeah. Where he goes back to Oban, he's saying how he's back playing Shinty and all that. He seems like a lovely guy. Uh, and he's so, the fact that he's a lefty just makes it a little bit more special, I think. It was inter- interesting to see that, um, you know, when he returned to Shinty, you know, when he wasn't playing the best and had had the great, he wasn't in the great greatest mindset and he just went back and knocked it about with the boys and had a whack of shinty and you know probably as an elite athlete you know as an elite golfer you probably don't want to get a shinty stick uh, wrapped around your knuckles ankles <laughs> knees or whatever um he, he went and uh, had a crack and it seemed to be uh came the better for it you know and that little video from scratch um you know when my dad you know 70 plus year old dad up in Cessnock, new south wales is sending me that video uh and saying oh have, did, have you seen the bobby mack Video, video. Um, yeah, it's good. It means that uh, you know, it means that people are seeing it and seeing Scottish golf and seeing Scots golfers. I'd love to go to Oban. Have you been to Oban? Yeah. Oh yeah. Is it nice? Yeah, been to Oban. Nice. I actually, went. We went to. That's beautiful. That's beautiful place. We actually went to Oban um, the week before we emigrated to Australia. All right. We the whole family went camping in Oban, and then you go over. You get the boat over to Tobermory, and they've got all the painted houses uh, down by the water. It's beautiful. Uh, Oban's a beautiful place, but that have you watched that uh, little shot that they did on Bob McIntyre, Mike? Yeah, it looked. Um, I'd never. I asked afterwards. I'd asked Ross, like I'd never heard of Shinty in my life. Yeah, I'd never seen. I'd, I'd, 
I, I said to Ross, it sounds very similar to what I call Sydney Shinty, but a little bit two of the letters flip around different. But um, <laughs> yeah, the course looked amazing. The little, the, I love that little path on that path three, just built into the side of the hill. Just that dirt, little dirt track. Yeah. It's just so, so nice. Yeah, that was a, that was a really good piece. Mm. So Shinty, was well done. Shinty is played. And Stuart, correct me if I'm wrong, on that sort of west coast and north, north sort of west coast of Scotland. Yeah, that was never something that we kind of had on offer when I was growing up. Uh, Shinty, I feel like it's more like you say, maybe like a west coast, yeah. maybe like an outer Hebrides thing, or even the inner Hebrides, I feel like might play a bit of Shinty. So if you are listening and you've never heard like Mike of what Shinty is, well, you know, you need to get a little bit more Scottish culture about you, but um, it's a cross between, like, what would you say, Stu? Hockey and sort of Gaelic um, oh, hurling. Yeah, it was a hurling, yeah. yeah. Hurling, yeah, and um, hockey. It's basically like playing hockey, but you've got more chance of getting a stick wrapped around you. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of, of uh, football, uh, getting things wrapped around them, and not so much golf, but uh, Sam Kerr. What do we think of Sam Kerr's effort? It would happen shoulder. How good was it? Right. <laughs> Can't believe you she know got a card. So funny. So, oh, I know. Someone sent sent me the picture, and I thought that the pitch invader was kind of running toward her. But mm. I saw the video later. She she like lines him up. <laughs> yeah, she, she goes out her way to, <laughs> to give her the old shoulder tackle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It was awesome. I can't believe she got booked. I mean, that's yeah, just a joke, no, isn't appalling. it? Appalling. Appalling. And the guard ran oh. off. They were more worried about booking her and then security guards just kind of jogging behind this guy running off. I was like, what am I missing here? <laughs> that was a weird set of circumstances, that. <laughs> it, was, it, was like, it was like they should have had Benny, very Andrew. Benny, Benny Hill music with the, yeah. the, the security Yeah, I know. It was very was uh, Andrew Simons-esque. Yes. Remember when he, remember when he rattled someone as he well? Nearly, nearly killed someone. <laughs> no wonder. He's a monster, that He's guy. He's a big boy. He's a very big boy. Uh, fair play to Sam Kerr, uh, third in the Ballon d'Or uh, one week, and then just taking out um, taking out a pitch invader the other week. Uh, she could go to a golf tournament. We should we should get her to go to the states and you know just sit beside people who you know like mashed potatoes. Yep. You, you the man. What else? Oh, that would be that would be tremendous. <laughs> I would actually like to I would actually like to put my hand up for that job. Yeah, well. The, I don't, I'm glad that the only big tournament I've been to is, is, is the Open because everyone was quite polite. But uh, I'm not sure how I'd behave, uh, you know, if I had to go stand beside someone who was, you know, mashed potatoing, you the man, um, bubba booing. I, I think there might be an international incident. But you know. the golf, the golf crowds in the US are very different to the golf crowds in the UK. Mm. I think okay. it's a different okay. kind of much more like Australian. Australia is like pretty, pretty relaxed. No, I mean, I think it's probably splits the difference somewhere between the two. I feel. I think like, Australia anyway. is like smack bang in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think especially the Open, going to the like the Open and going to Augusta for the Masters. Everyone that is at the Masters, they just feel so grateful to be there. Yeah, but they don't want to do a thing wrong. <laughs> so everyone, everyone in those grounds is just on their very best behaviour. Absolutely, they're like scared to sneeze in case they get thrown out. We had a um, we had one of the boys, Conrad, good mate of mine. I think both of you met Conrad at some point. His brother-in-law uh, from Manchester had flown in for the Masters, and as soon as he locked sight on Alison Stoke, uh, Ricky Fowler's now wife, I think that was as close as we were to being thrown out. He was like ready to yell out for her phone number, or <laughs> we're like, you just need to relax because this is the Masters and. No one shouts here. You can't even run or jog, or they're going to throw us out. So just, just relax. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what Conrad looks like, but I'm sure Ricky Fowler wasn't exactly shiting himself no. in competition. <laughs> Conrad, if you're listening, you're a very attractive man. But um, he's, he's. Ricky, Ricky, Ricky's got you covered um, by, a, by a few million. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, just going back to Bobby McIntyre for a second, and going on to another friend of the, not a friend of the podcast, who didn't want to come on. Um, but Bobby, Mac, it's projected that Bobby McIntyre is going to fit, um, finish the world rankings at 54. There's some guy on Twitter, um, Mike. You might know the guy on Twitter who does all of these. Yeah, Nos, Nosferatu. Yeah, that's him. That he, Bobby Mack will finish the season at the um, top in the WGR at 54, Ian Poulter maybe at 53, uh, but Minwoo Lee uh, will finish yeah. at 48, which is, mm. let's touch wood that that goes uh, Minwoo's way, 48, talking about the Masters, means that he'll get into the Masters, get an invite for that. Mike, you, you sent Minwoo an invite to come on last week when Rocket was uh, not available. I did, no, it gave us nothing. And it's funny, when I messaged him on Instagram, the, the last message that I sent him was from about, funnily enough, it was from right around when you played in a pro-am with him. He was asking if anyone had been at the pro-am and had taken any videos. And I'd been there and stood behind him on one of the courses at the Australian and, and right behind the tee box when he hit one of his stingers and I'd had this beautiful vision of it straight down the line. So I'd sent it to him, but no, uh, Stuart, just, no good. Just for your benefit, um, the listeners all know that I... Yeah, a regular thing, as I mentioned, that I have played golf with Minwoo Lee. Uh, he did go on after playing around with me in the following year to win on the European Tour, um, as did George Campillo and um, probably who else I played with, uh, Wade Ormsby, who won the week before seeing the team sheet that he was drawn with me in a, in a pro-am. He won the week before, um, but he didn't want to come on the podcast. But I did ask him some questions. He went on live. Uh, which So um, what you're saying is that I'm going to win on the European Tour next week? Probably. <laughs> Yes, we, we, yes, exactly right. That's that's it. Um, we asked him. I asked him some questions. Uh, I asked him, uh, uh, "What's the favorite? What's the food? What's the food store eat in Scotland if you want to win the Scottish Open?" He answered it, uh, and he, he sort of answered in a roundabout way. He said, "Oh, that sausage stuff, the the black stuff, the sausage stuff, which is Stuart, of course." Black pudding. How good is black pudding? It's all right. Oh, okay, I'm a little crazy for it, Ross. Don't throw me in the don't throw me in the Scottish stereotype. I'm not a big Scotch guy either. Well, no, no I, but I saw. But probably, <laughs> what didn't you have black pudding the other week, other day? I saw you. Pudding. Nah, it's square sausage. Oh, square sausage. Sorry, my bad. Square sausage. That was uh, mum dropped it on the front doorstep. I was all about her. She oh, left. What? My mum. My mum uh, phoned and said, "Oh, you know, home." I says, "No, nah, I left you something on the doorstep, and it was a lunch bag, and it had square sausage and uh, totty scone in it." Okay. Two rolls. So for all about anyone who's trying to keep up, so me, what is the difference between what is square sausage and I know what black pudding is. You know what black pudding is? Italians yeah. eat black yeah. pudding as well, yeah. right? No, I've had yeah, I've had it. I've had the I've had the Scottish one, but I don't know what square sausage is. So square sausage is a lawn sausage, is, and it comes in a like rectangular. It's like a okay. giant log, and yep. uh, yeah, it's just cut into slices okay it's just basically like square sausage meat with uh like a meatloaf sort of things thing. like that kind no. of but not okay that thing meatloaf shape yeah with a sausage taste okay <laughs> it's different gravy, I'm intrigued. it's unbelievable yeah it's, it's unbelievable square sausage, i like it square sausage on a, on a on a white roll uh with a bit of butter and a bit of what whatever you put on there beautiful uh yep tomato or brown sauce can of iron brew. Anyway, can, did you have some iron brew? Had a can of brewski with it. Can of brewski. Need to wash it down with a brew. 
be little, these little home comforts, you know. So Min, Min Woo Lee uh, did answer a number of questions. He answered a couple of mine. But um, did you ask him a question, Mike? No, no. I was I, I I just noticed that he was online, and then I did something else, and then he, I think he was gone by the time I went back online. Okay. Anyway, I he, think you guys are a, you're a year late to get Min Woo on. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> It's a it, it's a it's a running uh, it's a running thing. And Mike asked him, but anyway, um, my, me playing with him in 2019 at the Australian Open Pro Am, uh, hitting bombs and then sculling chips into the TV tower, uh, obviously carried no weight. Um, so we didn't get him. There you go. Um, Who would have thought it would have went more more to you than it did to him, Ross? Disgraceful, crazy, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, Mike, what else? Not a lot else. Yeah, I think I think the biggest story this week, probably because it is is in such wind down, is Tiger. Tiger playing. I think we talked about the fact that he can barely walk. Um, I don't know. This is a tournament where he's not necessarily even going to have to hit hit off the tee and can get around in a cart. But I think most people are excited about that. I think people are just as excited to watch Charlie as they are to watch Tiger. Oh, I'm, I'm... I watched again his highlights from last year's today. They popped up in my feed. Yep, same. That kid has got some serious game. That doesn't he? Five wood uh, that he hits. Oh, the, the, like with the rope five wood draw. They mm. hits about four feet. Like, forget about it. Even the even the wedge that he hits in, and he hits it to like a foot and a half. Yeah, stone cold killer. Like, doesn't no high five. Just like that's what I expected. Walks off. Doesn't even. I just. He, he could be anything. I mean, you're not going to put pressure on him. I'm not saying that, but good Lord, he, he looks like he's going to be a good golfer. It is funny watching him and you watch him in the tournament from last year as well. And it's weird for us adults to geek out over watching a young kid play golf, but it yeah. feels like you're almost getting an insight into watching a young Tiger play. Yeah. yeah. I think as we grew up through the time, like we, well, we watched the whole the entire Tiger era. So we know the hypes that surrounded that. Yeah. So when you're watching Charlie play, you're like, is this going to happen again? Yeah. You know? Because he, oh. he looks like, he already looks like he's got that mentality, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Glazier posted a snippet today that was about Tiger commenting on, he went out to watch Charlie play and because his scores hadn't been so great in some tournaments that he'd been playing in. And he noticed that he was blowing up and carrying a bit of, you know, they're blowing up into the subsequent holes. You know, basically the message from Tiger to Charlie was blow up as much as you want, you know, go nuts after the shot, but just as long as you're ready for the next shot, 100% committed. It was pretty pretty great advice that anyone should take uh, on board if they want to play better golf. You know, it was just interesting to, to hear Tiger Woods say, go nuts, you know, blow, blow up. If you go angry, do whatever you need, but just as long as you're ready for the next shot um, mm. and don't carry it over for uh, several shots or several holes later. Um mm. Yeah. It's amazing to think how lucky we are to be living through that period of Tiger. Like, imagine it would have been similar to Jack back in the day, but we are lucky enough that we have everything on our fingertips whenever we want to watch it back yeah. now. Um, but it's amazing the presence and the space that he kind of demands, right? So, like, the, the only talk this week has been, it's almost like no one cares about Hovland winning in the PGA Tour. Yeah. All the talk this week is like, oh my God, but Tiger's in the range hitting box. Tiger hit, a, Tiger hit a driver on the range. You know, it's Tiger's wearing the red on the range. Yeah. It's crazy that he still like demands that kind of attention. Yeah. You know, and everyone's drawn to it. That's all anyone's been talking about. Tiger, yeah. Tiger, 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 Tiger. You know, and it's sad to think that eventually it will be, he's going to have to retire. Hmm. Yeah. And look, I was probably like, I think it was last week. I said, was it last week or the week before? I said, 
there's no way he plays at Augusta. And I'm still saying that. There's no way he plays at Augusta. And um, you've been there, Stu, so you know how tough a walk it is. I still, no matter how much work he puts in in the next three and a half months, I can't see that his body's going to be able to walk that course. And I don't think unless he's... I know he said about he doesn't think he's ready to compete at that level yet. But even when I think he's at 75%, I don't think he's the sort of person that's going to put himself into the Masters and punch around or have the possibility of missing the card. Or, Smashing the card, it's yeah. Just, it's just, there's no need for him to do that. And I think I think that I think that our, uh, the next chance I reckon we'll have of seeing there, if he can get there, would be the year after, 2023. I just hope that um, I can... Uh, Put up, when he posted that swing video, I kind of put up as a joke my story, the 150th champion golfer of the year. And yes. I just think for Tiger to come back win the 150th Open Championship in St Andrews would be the most, like the Masters comeback two years ago was incredible. To yeah. do that would be the most Tiger Woods thing ever. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. The crazy thing is, you never, someone sent me a message straight away and said, I just want you to put a bet on that because you just triggered my mouth and he's only paying 40 bucks. Yeah. He's only paying like 40 to one. And you're like, the guy's only got one leg at the moment and he's 40 <laughs> to one. He's still ahead of like two thirds of the field to win yeah. it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. No one else. No. So, so Mark, are we, any thoughts on, uh, you know, booking tickets and that's getting across to the open? Not the open. I, I haven't told you this yet, but I did get a note today from from Doc, who uh, has told me he's a very high probability of heading over to the PGA Championship at is it Southern or Southern Hills? I can't remember where it was. Where it is this year? It's in Tulsa. Um, so he's feeling out whether I'd be keen on flying over for that in May. But um, now I think my my I would love to go to the to the hundred and fiftieth, but I think I'm still got my eyes set on. Ryder Cup 2023 in Italy, being yeah, uh, cool. it'll, it'll be a very easy one to sell to um, <laughs> wife, Mrs. Magic Mike. Oh, it's going to be the easier sell, I should say. And 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 Stu's wife and you my wife are sisters. Basically, basically, in my mind. <laughs> do, do they have? Do, is it? They kind of they look kind of similar. And they have the same last name. Have the same last name. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which Stu, Stu figured out when we were having a beer in Adelaide one day. He said, is your wife's mate? No, you might have said it when we were at Royal Park, actually. He said, is your wife's maiden name Basile? And I said, yes. And I think his head nearly fell off. <laughs> it really did. And then it really fell off when you told me that her name was a palindrome. It is. My wife's name is a palindrome. <laughs> so my wife's name is Elisa Basile, and she doesn't have a middle name. And Elisa Basile is the same back to front. Um, How crazy is that? Do you know anyone else whose name is a palindrome? And the best part is people always say, oh, her parents are geniuses. Her her parents would not have had a clue. (laughs) And I don't think they probably knew until she got home from school in grade five one day when someone at school pointed out that her name was a palindrome. (laughs) Ross is going for a pen and paper to work this one out. (laughs) I absolutely am. That's it. Elisa, E-L-I-S-A, B-A-S-I-L-E. Back to front. E-L-I-S-A, B-A-S-I-L-E. Just watching for Rocket Ross's head to explode. There it goes. This is, 
<laughs> How is that? You know, just spell this one out as well. Where I live, Ross Glenelg. Oh yeah, no, yeah, okay, yeah, no, that's that's I've got that one covered. That's I'm I'm, I'm used to that one. <laughs> Stuart Adelaide Golf. What are the what are the courses that everyone should uh, visit when they are visiting South Australia? Now that uh, borders are open, you we could can we we can come across to South Australia now. Borders are open to some people, not everyone. I don't, oh, I think our borders are open to everyone. It's just other places are starting to shut theirs to us now. Yeah, because you lot keep coming over and infecting us all. My golf. <laughs> um, where should we uh, where should we play when we do get the chance to come to Adelaide? Mount Compass. Okay. Mount Compass Golf Course. Um, it's probably. Have you been there, Mike? No, no. It's probably 45, 40 minutes outside the city. It's right near. It's probably only fifteen minutes from McLarenville, the wine region. And um, I'll never get never get tired of playing that course. Dad and I actually used to be members down there years and years ago. Um, and it's a great, great little public course. Great layout, very lengthy. There's always rows on the course. It's always in fantastic condition. Um, I can't speak highly enough of it. Uh, it's a so, great course. So that's that's the that's the public course. If if anyone's coming to Adelaide and want to play some decent public golf, um, and you've only got a couple, you can maybe play two rounds. The two courses I would highly recommend would be Mount Compass and the Length Lady Bay is another yep. good one. I think that's the one you told me to play when I was over last, but I didn't get there either. They're on the list for next year. Yeah, they're, they're good. They're good. And then obviously you've got the private clubs around. Uh, Grange, which has got the two courses, Royal Adelaide, Kuyonga, Donelg, they're all fantastic golf courses. I mean, Royal Adelaide's one of the best front nines you'd find anywhere, I think. And mm. the courses in the city, so you talk, we were talking about the little uh, short course, there's two two courses in the parklands there on the terrace, on the terrace there? Yeah, two 18-hole courses. Yeah. Um, I think the south course is probably the better of the two. Um, and then you've got that little par three course that I went for a hit with the boys the other night. Anywhere up, anywhere up in the hills? Is there a course up in Blackwood or anywhere up there? Black, I used to be a member at Blackwood as well. <laughs> I'm like, a, just jump from course to course. Uh, yeah, Blackwood's a really nice course. That's kind of like a sandbelt kind of layout. And the, the greens are always rapid at Blackwood. That's not a good public one to add to the list, okay. for sure, Blackwood. And there's another one, Flagstaff Hill as well, which is a decent one in the vein. There's a lot of good golf now I think about it. Yeah. But the two definitely the ones that, that stick out straight off the top of my head, Mount Compass, is such a fantastic course. I well, love it. The reason I ask is because, you know, we Mike and I sort of did a round Melbourne sort of um discussion the other week and we just kept going on and going on and there's there's that course and there's that course. And a couple of people actually reached out and said, Oh, that was great to hear yeah, even if we just breezed over them, you know, that there are so many courses and, and sort of who they are and where they are and that you guys have experienced them, one or the other of you, uh, and we should go and play. So that's why I ask you about, you know, we I've never played golf in Adelaide. Um, so, you know, I need to. I'd love to. Um, so I, I know Flagstaff Hill. Where, so Flagstaff Hill's down the south, right? Is that, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Flagstaff Hill's kind of not like – it's kind of head. It's south from me anyway. It's south of the city for sure, yeah. And Lynx Lady Bay. Oh, yeah. Lynx Lady Bay. That's very south. That's right. very south. That's the furthest away for sure. Okay. And if that I... was if that was half an hour closer to the city, you would never get a tea time there. Okay. How far is it out oh. of the city? About an hour or more? It's, an hour, it's a solid hour drive. Yeah. 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 And, and it's how... good though. It's good. What about McCracken? Is that still there? Is that down at Victor Harbour? I haven't been. I haven't been to McCracken in years, Ross. That is a really good course. Again, it's just so far away. Okay. Uh, but 
I believe it went downhill for a while, but someone just bought it over and put a bit of money into it, I think. So I've been meaning to get back down there, but I've hardly even, I mean, I've got a met, I was very fortunate to get a membership at Grange, which is 15 minutes from my doorstep, and I hardly get even get out there for a hit. Yeah. Never mind driving an hour and 10 minutes down to Victor Harbour for a game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, yeah, someone just bought over McCracken, but that is a really nice course as well. There's a lot of good golf, like, and I feel like anywhere you go in Australia, there's always good golf. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. I mean, you guys are obviously very lucky with your selection of golf courses, but it's the same from state to state. I think I actually think Adelaide is very lucky as well. Mm. And I lived in Perth not- for a year and a half, and Perth's amazing for public courses. There's just yeah. heaps of great golf courses. Maybe. I always say if you had a, a course um, like Compass or a course like Lady Bay and you put it in the US, you'd be paying north of $100 for a round. The golf is that good. And again, you would never get a tee time, you know? Mm-hmm. I like to think, I mean, if you're talking Lady Bay, it's kind of like Rustic Canyon, which is a really popular uh, public course out LA in LA. And mm. you struggle got a tea time there. And I think that's about 100 bucks Aussie for a game. And I wouldn't put it above any of the public courses that we have here. But you can play for 45 bucks, you know. Mark, did you go to Rustic? I did, yeah. We played Rustic myself, uh, Conrad and Doc on... On the masters trip, that was stop number one. Was um, I think Stu? I think you told us to head out that way. And the course that was not far from town, I think you sort of played a little bit, which we which was closed for a tournament. Oh, really? Yeah, we played Brancho uh, Park instead because that was open. Oh, which yeah, was good fun um, in the middle of in the middle of LA. And then we went up and played Rustic Canyon one day, and we played the Trump course out on the water one day. So oh, three yeah. courses we played. And the Trump courses, you know, was you know, it was expensive good, you know, course, but wasn't anything amazing, but the views were awesome. So it was the good. Views good are day. Incredible down there. Yeah. So still, if you go back to the States or when you go back to the States and hopefully that's sooner rather than later, does that mean you um go to uh Yeah, I'll go to Austin because obviously since uh, the boys moved there, I haven't been there to see them settle in and stuff. So I think we'll probably fly into Los Angeles and spend a couple of days with friends there. And then I think, yeah, we'll go to Austin and see Eric. It'll be, like I say, it'll be two years mm. since we last saw each other. How, how far so it'll be good to catch up. How far mm. off is the uh, RGCHQ from being finished in Austin? Still- uh, I believe he said around March. Okay. It'll be done. I think they're in for March. So that's where I'm trying to kind of coincide visiting there when that's all done and stuff because they'll all be excited, won't they? Yeah. It looks great. He's showing me all the plans and everything. It looks like it's going to be golf haven. I think as well, doing it in March, that ties in with the, they've got the WGC event there in Austin around that time. So it can be a bit of a party space for the week and things like that. Yeah. So it makes sense. And uh, and then Scotland in July, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yes. Sounds good. All going well. Mike, it's the season finished now. What what's on? Something something's got to be. There, there there's the shark shootout this weekend, which is going to be a two man event that I don't know many people are going to watch. Uh, the one that started today was the big PGA at Moon Links, so uh, that's been uh, it's been an interesting watch. It's been blowing a gale down there. Mm-hmm. Um, is and it, the, is that yeah. the, is that the is that the men and women? No, they've got the um, pro am format. Pro am, yeah. So they're doing oh, they're doing right pro am. Right. 
Um, they've only got 80, I think, 80-odd players. They play the Legends course, then the Open, then the Legends, then the Open. Um, the leader at the moment after they won five under Kevin Smith, who I, I don't know Kevin Smith, but he's had a great day, even on the, it's a Legends course. Uh, in the I, weather do they Kevin, I do know Kevin Smith, but he's not a golfer. <laughs> <laughs> a different bloke just a guy just a guy called Kevin Smith <laughs> I shout, I uh, shout out to Kevin Smith uh, where's, where's, where's your Kevin from mate he won't be last time okay. like I said he's not a golfer <laughs> um, um, I'm trying to think whether I see Lucas said they've got a, an event the Sandbell uh, the Sandbell yeah. Invitational in yeah. December that's coming up yeah that'll Mike, be good. Mike Clayton's yep. uh, Mike Clayton's organising that is that yeah. right yeah Mike and Jeff Ogilvy are behind that. So Jeff's been putting on, and and Mike, um, but Jeff's been putting on a series of uh, events around Sandbelt courses for some of the guys that are, are pros uh, that aren't being able to go on tour and some elite amateurs, and they've been they've called the game. And there might be 12, there might be 15, there might be 20. I think there's a little bit of um, money goes into a purse and you know, the winner takes the, takes the cash. And so they've been doing that to keep the competitive spirit going, but... I think since uh, Mike and Jeff started that, which you know started before whatever lockdown it was, they started and then it stopped and obviously started again. Um, that gave sort of birth to this concept of why don't we play a tournament at, a, at where is it, Mike? It's at Peninsula Kingswood, Metro, it's an Kingswood Heath on as well. and Royal Melbourne. So oh, there's, there's cool. Four days. Oh, four. so it's like it's kind of like the Dunhill Links. Yeah, kind of thing. Mm. Four days, four rounds, and I'll be pros and elite amateurs, and that's not next week. It's the week before Christmas, basically. Yeah. Yeah, December twenty third. Yeah. Twenty to twenty third, I think. Like so that, you said it is. You've got to love. You've got to love Jeff with his love for golf. He does so much for the game, doesn't he? Yeah. In Melbourne, he's really yeah. Oh, and I think it's, it's only going to get. Bigger and bigger, you know. Once uh, you know we get past this time, and and Jeff can really scale up his, um, you know, passion for that and and his scalability, you know, like just got a massive uh, reach and audience, and he's just be able to bring in people that um, you know will support anything that he does in terms of the golf thing. It's great that golf's on the on the rise. People want to be in and around golf, which is awesome because you know it wasn't that many years ago that uh, tournaments like this wouldn't rate a blip, but now everyone wants to look yeah. at them and see them and be part of it. So it's great. It's absolutely yeah. fantastic. He's good. For me, the best thing about Jeff and why I think he resonates really well with people is he says what he thinks. Like he he talks yeah. very intellectually about golf. He talks about, he gives you insight. He doesn't just tell you what, he doesn't just give you an opinion and walk away. He'll explain it and talk to it. And he's very even, but he'll always tell you what he thinks. And, and that's what's great. Like if he was doing commentary on golf every week, you'd listen to him inside oh, out. Because he can talk about the course, he can talk about the plays, he's talking stories. He's very, very good. Whenever he does a, one of the Friday episodes when he talk about golf, and I'm not the biggest golf architecture guy, I'll listen to them talk about that stuff. All I've listened to them as well, yeah. just yeah. to listen to Jeff because he's so intellectual, articulate, and so like his knowledge for the game is just unbelievable. Yeah. And the thing about it is his knowledge for the game is amazing. He obviously has the architect uh, ex- experience now yeah. as well, yeah. but you know that he's lived through the tour and playing in the tour and he's won a major championship. So automatically it draws you in. Yeah. But then once you're there, he kind of keeps you there because what everything that he says has purpose and it's super meaningful. You know mm. that way? Yeah, hundred percent. He's always great to listen to Jeff all over. He really yeah. is. It's uh, not unusual to see Jeff just slinging uh, a half set. You know, we talked about half sets. Uh, he'll, he's got, I don't know what the brand is, but he's got some, uh, blonde-coloured persimmon-headed uh, um, you know, driver three-wood sort of combo. He's just got an old set of blades and, a, and, and the old persimmons just with the uh, 
Sunday bag, you know, like uh, the ones that you uh, you guys carry, and just at playing golf in the Wednesday comp with some of the members or some of the, some of his mates. It's uh, you know he he knows how. You, al- you almost want to say, "Oh, you're an architect now, yeah." <laughs> they all have the same setup. <laughs> Uh, no, but he, he, he you know, to Jeff's points that he makes is about the ball and rolling it back and what sort of thing. Um, the way that he would have courses set up, I think the three of us would agree that if he set up a course for a tournament, it would be set up the way that we would love to see golf play. Yeah. If Jeff could have that influence over in the States, it's probably not going to happen ever, but um, you know what I mean? Um, it's great the way he thinks, so, so I'm agreeing. Mm. Guys, yeah, we've, I've kept you uh, for an hour and ten. We've chatted. Jeez, we've, caught, we've caught up. Uh, anything else for you, Stu? Any questions for you? Any any anything else you want to tell us about? Any breaking Not news? At all. Nothing. I feel like I've just been rambling on, talking nonsense for well, the past hour. No. Oh, uh, welcome, well, welcome to the show. I, I, I don't know if we'll take that as a compliment or a criticism, but either way, it doesn't matter because it's done now. Uh, dear, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, uh, Mike. Stuart Kurt, thank you for coming again. Uh, short notice and filling in for the Rocket Man. Let's play his music. Oh, anytime, boys. Anything. Thanks for having me on. Oh, dear. And uh, I'll put more effort into your theme tune music next time and, and, and <laughs> send you a message. I'll send Cassandra a message and find out what music, Scottish music, you'll actually like. Um, yeah, maybe turn, turn the volume up next time so I can hear it. <laughs> I, I told you, I've only, got one, I've only got one job on this podcast, and that's to press the buttons. And then when I don't even get that right, uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> there we go. We'll see you next time on the Mile of a Golf podcast. See you, guys. Thank you.